You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you today about growing, growing in the things of God. You know, God does not want us to be stagnant. He wants us always growing in Him. And um, I'm going to tell you today how to do that. You know, we're not to be stagnant. Have you ever been around stagnant water? It stinks. Anyway, so you don't want to be that way. And I just want to encourage you that this is to help you grow in the things of God. You know, our time on earth is not a time to become stagnant. We're supposed to be productive people on this face of this earth for God. You're here for such a time as this. We all are. You know, this is one of the greatest times, I think, for America and for us, the people of God, to be the shining lights in this world, because that is why we are still here. You know, God one day is going to decide enough, and he's going to send Jesus to come and get us. It's going to be a glorious day, and the way things are looking, I don't know that it's very far away. You know, I read a book back in the 70s by David Wilkerson that told us the things that were coming. And I thought, there is no way I'll see that in my lifetime. I've seen that and more. And so, you know, I don't set a time frame. I know better than that because only God knows. And uh, John always says, or Dr. John, he always says, well, I don't even think Jesus knows because if he did, I think he'd tell us (laughs) because he's our best friend. (laughs) Amen. Um, you know, when a kid turns two, he's active, mostly unproductive, but he's active. And it's cute when you're two, but when you're 32, it's not. (laughs) You're supposed to be growing, being productive in your life, trying to find out what you need to be looking at your life and figuring out what is keeping me from doing what God has called me to do. Uh, I don't know if it's fear If you're bashful, you know, you can't be any more bashful than I was. God made me do this. And so if he can make me do this, he can make you do what he's called you to do. Amen? You just need to know where God wants to get you. And so so to be active but not productive, you have no fruit. And so you need to figure out why you aren't productive. In, um, I guess it'd help if I'd get my Bible. In Numbers 13, this is one of the biggest turning points in the Jewish lives. Because this is where they're going to go spy out the land and figure out what's there. And Moses chose 12 men to go in to spy out the land. Now these 12 people represented each tribe of Israel. And these people were supposed to be great leaders. I mean, they picked the best of the best out of each tribe. 
but it is amazing that 10 of them were not the best. They were fearful and discouraged, and they tried to spread that on the people, and did. So in Numbers 13, verse 17, it says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, or what the cities they what the cities they be that they dwell in, whether in the I don't know why I'm so shaky. Whether in tents or in strongholds, and what he's talking about, strongholds there are actual buildings. So they went up and they searched the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob as the men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came into Hebron, where I can't even see these. I don't know why I'm having trouble seeing this today. Need a little more light. <laughs> and they came into the brook of Ashgal and cut down thence a branch with a cluster of grapes. And they bear it between two upon, sta upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and the figs. Now, can you imagine? This is two guys carrying a cluster, one cluster of grapes. This is the kind of fruit that was in that land. They each had a staff and hung the clusters on there. I haven't ever seen grapes like that. I'd like to. Amen. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Verse 26, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of Israel unto the wilderness of Purim, and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and said, We came unto the land whither thou sendest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Now wouldn't you be encouraged if you saw a cluster of grapes like that? And this is the land you're fixing to go into. And the milk and honey represent prosperity and wealth and health. And so they, they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sendest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now here's where the evil report comes in. Nevertheless, there's always a nevertheless, somebody's got to say, right? These were their leaders, and Moses had chosen 12 people to go in to spy out the land. Of the 12 spies, 10 had an evil report. Two had a good report. Like I said, these are considered the leaders of the people. They're supposed to be encouraging and lifting people up and saying, man, you, you just wait till you see the land we're going into. This is, we've been waiting for this for 400 years because they were slaves in Egypt. 
And now, this is the time their lives are going to change drastically if they go into that land. This is the promised land for them. They've been talking about it for 400 years. And like I said, they picked, they thought, the best of the best. But what you got to understand is those 10 people, those 10 people turned 2 million people's hearts the wrong way. They stood against Moses and Joshua and Caleb. 10 people changed 2 million people on one day. And it kept them from going into the promised land. Those two million people did not go into the promised land because they chose to believe the evil report. That's why it's so important for us to take note of this moment in time, for you to look at yourself and find out what is keeping you from going into your promised land and get rid of it. <laughs> Dr. John says it like this, 12 went up, 10 came back with an evil report, two came back with a good report, and that means that 10 said the wrong thing, and two said the right thing. But let's not forget, they all saw the same thing. They all saw the same thing. So that means their report could not have been based upon what they had seen, but what they believed about what they had seen. Dr. John also often says, your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. And what you believe is dictated by what you constantly hear and confess. I was in the grocery store the other day, <laughs> and I saw this husband and wife and two boys. And it was like they were just picking on the one. He was probably about 13 years old. And I know 13-year-old boys can be little toots. But, I mean, they so degraded that child in that store, I just wanted to go over and say, can I have him? Yeah. I'll take him. <laughs> I want him. They were just talking down to him and hitting him and telling him how stupid he was. It just made my heart sick. You call your kids stupid, they're going to be stupid. But you call them intelligent and the greatest kid that walked the face of the earth, and that's what they're going to be. Yeah. You know, when we corrected our kids, and we did a lot, I know you think they were perfect, but they weren't, but I made them that way, <laughs> no, <laughs> because I tanned their little hides, amen. You know, with, there was no time out in our house. You know, God doesn't send us away when we disobey. He doesn't send us to our room and just let us sit in there and think and get mad and cause anger to rise up in us. That's not the way God did it. So we brought our children in told them what they had done wrong, showed them the scripture where we will now discipline you, told them we loved them, never attacked them, but we attacked what they had done and made sure that they understood why we were doing this. And we never held them over hell. We never said, you're going to go to hell for that. Never. We always taught them love and grace. And the first thing we did, we said, okay, we're going to deal with this, you know that was wrong, and so we're going to get this out of your life. And we would spank them because it's in the Word. Hello. And then after we spanked them, we'd let them cry for just a short amount of time. 
And then we'd say, all right, oh, well, John always, he, he was so, he is so creative. He would say, all right, take all the bad feelings out of, you, out of your heart and hand them over to me. We always disciplined them in our bedroom. And this is why. He said, now hand them over to me. We're going to throw them under my bed and they're gone. And now we're going to tell you how great you are. You just made a wrong choice, but you're forgiven. And we're not going to build, we're not going to bring it back up again. And that's why our kids are all three preachers. We didn't call them to it. God did. And so, you know, your children will be, they'll understand what the grace of God is. There were times that we'd bring them in and think we were going to spank them. But if we talked to them and they said, well, the reason I did that, you know, if there was a good reason, we'd say, well, then you have grace. Go your way. <laughs> Anyway, it's just so important to, to not teach your kids that God is bad and that he's going to send you to hell for everything. He's not. He sent his son Jesus to keep you from going to hell. He loves you that much. So my question to you is, what are you confessing and what are you listening to? You know, I didn't understand it. You know, when we were teenagers, everybody always talked about our rock and roll music, and you got, it's the devil's music, and if you roll it backwards, it's going to talk about the devil. Who came up with that? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But anyway, some preachers were doing it, and they, they thought at that time that's what they were called to do. But, you know, every generation has their music. They just do. And ours was rock and roll. And um, I have to admit, I like to listen to it still every now and then. <laughs> but I don't listen to it all the time. Mo mainly I listen to worship music, and I know y'all probably think I'm a fuddy-duddy. But, you know, when you listen to worship music, it brings you in the presence of God. Just like these guys did up here this morning. They brought us into the presence of God. And um, it's a tool from God. So if you're hanging around negative people, you think you have a right to be negative, but that is not true. Well, Pastor, I just hang around negative people at work all the time. Well, just because they're talking doesn't mean you have to listen. Amen. You can shut it out. And don't tell me you can't. I do it all the time. And I'm going to bring your wife up here, and she'll tell me how you tune her out. <laughs> or your husband how you tune him out. We can all tune things out. We don't have to ex receive what's going around the room. Amen. Now Moses asked a series of questions here, and you're going to be shocked at the answers from these 12 leaders. Well, pastor, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. Everybody's a leader. In your realm of family and friends, I'm not around them, so I don't have an effect on them. But your life does. And however you choose to live your life will make a difference in their lives. I have several nieces and um, used to when they'd come see me. They don't come see me much anymore, but uh, they would just walk in awe when they'd walk into my house because they just could not believe what a beautiful home I had. And I told them the only difference between you and me is I have Jesus in my heart. He provided all this. 
This is what happens when you walk with God. He provides for your every need. And you don't have to live like you're living because he can change your heart and change your whole life. And you can have a beautiful home just like mine. Give your life to him and it'll make a difference. Some of them did, some of them haven't, but that's okay. I, I, you know, I shared the word. And your life is a witness to everybody around you. Your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, your coworkers, friends, your grandchild. Think what a, an effect you have on your, on your grandchildren. I have 10 of them. And they're all walking with God. I'm very grateful for that. So just let you, just know you are being watched, whether you think you are or not. And it's so, so important to live that godly life here on earth. All right, Moses' first questions in Numbers 13, 18, and 19. In 18 it says, And see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell there, therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in whether it be good or bad, what the cities they be that dwell in, whether tents or strongholds. What is the land like? Joshua and Caleb answered, The land is fruitful. Verse 27, And they, Joshua and Caleb, told him, and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it this huge cluster of grapes that had to be carried on two staff by two men. Think of that. And like I said, milk and honey represent health and prosperity. How do you see the land God put you on? Where you are? How do you see that land? Do you see it evil? Good? Good land? Good for build, uh, growing things? Do you see possibility in your life? Your city, your job, your family. These next few verses are where 10 fearful and discouraged with the evil report started talking. Verses 28 through 14.1. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover... We saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the ites dwell in the mountains by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. Can you say that? We're way well able. We are well able. We are equipped with everything that we need to live this life. God, if you have Jesus in your heart, you have everything you need. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are very strong. They are stronger than we are. How do you know that? You don't know these people. See how we, we judge things by what we see, but what we see isn't always what we see. Amen? Amen? 
And they brought up an evil report of the land and they had ser- that they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though which we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants. What? The land eats up the people? <laughs> Do you see how crazy this is? Does this shock you that people talk like this? It shouldn't. I mean, look at our world. (laughs) They're saying some pretty crazy things right now. And there we saw giants. Giants. This This is hilarious to me. They were the sons of Anak, that which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Do you feel like a grasshopper in this world? I mean, that is just so crazy that they saw that that way. But yet Joshua and Caleb said it's fruitful. We're well able to overtake it. And then 14.1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Just because 10 people told them the wrong report, two, mil, 2 million of them believed it and never got to enter the promised land. But the word says in Isaiah 54.2, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Spare not. Lengthen the cords and strengthen thy stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right and on the left. Stretch forth, lengthen your ties. We always want to break forth, don't we? But we don't want to stretch. But it doesn't work that way. We're stretched for a reason. It's to make us who we need to be for God. I mean, ask any pregnant woman. Right? Right, Whitney? (laughs) We know what it feels like to be stretched. The stretch has to come first. And as he's stretching you, he's teaching you who you are. He's teaching you who you are because he made you who you are. And as you're getting stretched, I've been stretched a lot, a whole lot. It's not always comfortable. But you know what? If God's stretching you, It's for your good, and you will be better in the end. Amen? The great theologian John Osteen used to say, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not get bent out of shape. (laughs) And the second question is, what are the people like? Numbers 13, 18, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. You know, Caleb never talked about the people. He only talked about, we are well able. Say it with me. We are well able, and you are well able, because he made you able. Now, let's admit these 10 guys were treated as slaves in Egypt, and their families had been in Egypt for 400 years. But what about Joshua and Caleb? They were too. What made them different? So let's quit making excuses. Well, that's just the way I was raised. That's not an excuse. There's been a lot of people raised by murderers, and they're not murderers. Amen. 
And what about those raised by socialists who didn't grow up to be thieves? I mean, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> it is time for the people of God to rise up and take responsibility for their own actions. Like I said, we're looking in our world today and I can only watch the news about five minutes and then I'm done. You know, it's so out of control. This is the, one of those things I never thought I'd see either. The people being so disrespectful to each other and mean, that's not America. It shouldn't be. <clears throat> and the crazy thing about this is, those people in those cities were terrified of the Israelites. They were terrified because Rahab had gone back and told them what the Israelites can do. So they were terrified of them. They could have beat them <laughs> in a heartbeat. And it says, are the people many or few? But who cares about the odds? The word says one can put a thousand to flight and two, ten thousand. That means God doesn't do the, have the kind of math we do. It's always bigger and better with him. Uh, like the great theologian Mary Kay Ash said, any Mary Kay ladies in here? <laughs> There's nothing in the world two people can't do if one of them is God and the other is you. And that's the truth. That's the truth. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. You know, and our children, not mine or yours, but some people's children are being robbed of their inheritance by our faithlessness. Look at the ratio. One day of bad talk translated into one year of delaying their kids the promises of God. Some of those children were actually 60 years old by the time they got into the promised land. Question, are the cities walled? Caleb said, they have no defense. Let us go up at once. Is the soil good? Joshua and Caleb, it's good. The 10 said it eats up the inhabitants, which is not true. <laughs> Dr. John has pointed out to us that Joshua here represents Jesus and Caleb represents the Gentile church. If that is so, look who's doing most of the talking. Caleb. He did most of the talking. It's not enough that you know what God says. True faith says what God says. We are well able. And that's what we say. We are well able, no matter what obstacles are in front of us. And as y'all know, we have been walking against a huge obstacle with my husband for the last four years. But God is faithful. Yes, he, is. he is faithful. And you keep telling yourself that until you believe it, because he is faithful and he is good. You know, some, some preachers tell you that, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. If you don't do that, you're going to hell. It's just not true. There was a cross that paid a price for your sins, and he loves you. He sent his only son. I'll tell you this right now. I have two sons, and I wouldn't give either one of them for you. I love you, but you, I would not give my son for you, <laughs> either one of them. But God did. But God, he's faithful. 
It's not enough to know where the promises are God, where promises of God are in the Bible if you leave them on the pages of the book. You got to speak them. You have to speak them. People, life and death are in the power of the tongue. That, I mean, people don't understand that is so real. What you create, you create your own atmosphere, your own life by the things that you say and don't say. And it's so important that we say the right things. And when we're speaking the word of God, we're saying the right things. Doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. I'm healed in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter. I don't have but $5 in the bank. He is my prosperity. He said he wished above all things that I prosper and be in health. That's his will. So that's the will that I speak over my life. Another question. Are there trees there? Now you would wonder why he would ask that question. But trees present fruit. It presents lumber to build houses, bridges. It means shade for the animals. Trees make a place cooler. Trees produce oxygen and make the air fresher. We used to live in San Angelo, Texas, which when we went out there, it was a lot drier. And now it's, they've got trees everywhere and it's real humid like it is here. But when we went there years and years ago, it was very dry. And so you'd be standing in the sun, it'd feel like you were 130 degrees and step in the shade and you'd feel 10 degrees cooler. That amazed me. It's not like that here. <laughs> it's just not like that here. But I, w I want you to be encouraged today and I want you to look at your life and say, what can I change? What can I get out of my life that is preventing me from doing the things that my God has called me to do? It's um, just ask your question ask yourself this questions, these questions today. What helps us to grow in the things of God? What hinders our growth? How you move past the obstacles in your life by speaking the right things, and how to speak the right things, which is the Word of God, because you are well able. Whatever God has called you to do, He's going to give you what you need. He'll, he has already equipped you. He knew you before you were even born. Think about that. You are here today in 2018 for such a time as this to do what he's called you to do. And like I said, you, you know, well, I'm not a leader, but you are. But you are. You are a leader to all the people that are around you. And you can bring them up with you, get them in church, help them change their lives, and make a difference in this world. You know, I speak prosperity over our city all the time because... When I came here, now you have to understand, I came from McKinney, Texas, which is one of the fastest growing cities, or it was. And they have, you know, $800 million homes all over that city. I want that for here. I don't care if this is Oklahoma. We can be rich too. Amen? God can bring jobs in this city and change this city and bring people here that want to work that want to work and do well in their work. That's what I'm praying over my city. That's what I'm praying over you, that you find the kind of job that you want so you can be happy where you're working. I know I hear a lot of people say, oh my God, I hate my job. I'm then, 
change. <laughs> Go somewhere else. Find something you like to do. That's what we're supposed to. We're supposed to be happy people. <laughs> we just are. People, people come up, you know, to, to John and I or say, why are you all so happy all the time? Well, because I've got God in my life, and he made me that way. Yeah. And he'll do that for you, too. You want to get saved? <laughs> but that's, you know, that's our lives. John and I, when we made up our mind, when we were 20 years old, to turn our lives over to God, our whole lives changed dramatically. So much so that none of our friends liked us anymore. So they all went away. And that was the best thing that ever happened to us. If you are being that kind of witness, those kind of friends will go away. Some of them came back, they got saved, and they're walking with God today. But when we were serious about getting in church and changing our lives, we were in church probably five or six days a week. If our church wasn't having service, we would find a church that was. And we, you know, our kids had a drug problem because we drug them to church every time. <clears throat> no, I don't want, no. <laughs> but you can change your life. It's just a daily walking, daily walking out what God has called you to do. There's nobody like you, and there will never be another you. Isn't that neat to think about? He's created each one of us differently. I think God has a sense of humor when I look at the human race. You know, I just think, how can you come up with that many different looking people? Everybody, well, there's twins, but they're not exactly alike if you really get to looking at them. But you're all so neat, and he loves you all so much, and he only wants the best for your lives. When I fully understood that, because I was raised in a denomination that didn't tell me that. I, I never could meet up to what they thought I should be. And that's a miserable way to be because you begin to hate God. You just think he's mean, but he's not. When I learned what, a fa what my father God was like, it changed my life. It changed my life dramatically. Has he changed your life? Amen, yes he has. And he's so good. <laughs> And you're here to be a shining light for this world because it is a dark place. But you know what? He said we're in the world, but we're not of it. Amen. And we don't have to be of it because he has made us different. And when I go into the store, you know, and I'm leaving, I say, you just have a blessed day, sweetheart, whoever checks me out. They just, what? <laughs> you, you just blessed me? You know, you, you don't know what just a smile that somebody can do for them that day. Maybe they're having the worst day of their life, but if you just smile and tell them God loves you, he wants you to be happy, they, they don't quite know what to do with it. Even uh, when I go to the bank, and I use the little teller, not uh, an official teller at the bank, but because I usually go at different hours, and a little lady comes on the screen, and she's, hey, what can I do for you today? And I'm making a deposit sit there and talk to her and she, I said are you having a great day you should be you're working you're breathing be happy <laughs> you know that's what he wants you to do he wants you to breathe and be happy <laughs> amen and I just want to tell you that you know John and I are so grateful for the day that we came here it was a shock to me 
because I never thought I'd be back in Oklahoma. In fact, I said it many times, <laughs> I would never move back to Oklahoma. Never say never. Because <laughs> sure enough, like I said, God has a sense of humor. But I have met some of the best people I've ever met in my life right here in this church. This is a great church. I've been in churches that weren't great. They weren't mine, but um, you're here to be a light to this city and make a difference. And I'm just asking you today that look at, just look into your life and say, you know, I'm not doing anything. No, say, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to do great things and great exploits for my God. And when I leave this earth, they're not going to remember me. They're going to remember the Jesus inside of me that made my life different. So I encourage you to do that today. Is there anyone here today that would like to ask Jesus Christ into their heart? Because I would love to lead you in that prayer. And all our people will lead with me. So if you would like to receive Jesus, just raise your hand now, and we're going to pray with you and believe that God is going to change your life. Amen? All right. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time, Father, that someone's life right now is being completely changed. Father, we just ask that in the name of Jesus, we ask you to have Jesus come into our hearts and forever change us, Father, and that we will walk with you all the days of our life, that we make up our minds today that from now on, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every chance I get, I'm going to be sitting under the Word of God. And I thank you for that because it will change my life. And I thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying on the cross for me. And I thank you that you were buried and that you rose again for me. And I thank you, Father, for this life being changed in the matchless name of Jesus. You know, the word says the angels rejoice when one person receives the Lord. Amen. They're up there shouting a hallelujah. So let's shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised today, Father. Thank you for this precious life that has come into your kingdom today. Well, I guess I'm going to do the shout too, unless Miss Christina wants to come up and do it. No, she said. All right, put up the declaration. Y'all stand to your feet. We're going to go out of here with a shout today. Thank you, Father, for blessing your people in their going out, just like you bless them in their coming in. Thank you, Father, that you have caused us to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last, the victor, no longer the victim. Thank you, precious Father, that you have caused the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as your people go forth armed and dangerous with the word of God. Go out there and be a shining light today. Amen.